brunt. Thirty dollars. Hey, that's okay, Wendy. That was a good carry. You're still the man. You're the man. Latte. Four dollars. Check it off, Johnny. Rub some dirt on it. New piano. Three thousand dollars. All right, guys. They're not saying boo. They're saying movers. Supporting your team. Priceless. Sorry, Bobby. You still got the best arm in the neighborhood. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's Mastercard. This is decaf, right? morning. All right, we're continuing our series on Priceless, called Priceless, the Enduring Commitments of a Follower of Christ. We're looking at the seven values uh, that we are committed to here at Door Creek that, that tells us what, what exactly is core to us, central to us. Today, we're looking at the richness of community growing together in Christ. And when I think about my experience with Christian community, biblical community, for me, um, Outside of my own family, I, I go back to high school. I went to Evanston Township High School, big school, school of 5,000 students in its heyday. When I was there, it was uh, just about 4,500 students. What you're seeing is actually half of the school. There was a, you kind of just mirrored it on the other end of it. It was a huge place. And I remember as a, as a young man who just recommitted my life to Christ, going into that big place, I didn't just feel lost because there's this... I've never seen so many people in my life. I couldn't figure out where my classes were. It was, it was a nightmare. But what was really hard was that I didn't know anybody else who was a follower of Christ. I'd heard there was like two other people. But I didn't know who they were. And um, so it was really huge for me in high school um, that I had a youth group in my church where I hung out. And we studied the word together. And we played together. And we served together. went on retreats together. And, and it was huge. It was just the beginnings of the taste of the richness of community. Then I think in college, living with a group of guys, this band of brothers that, as the proverb says, like iron sharpening iron. We were sharpening each other's lives most of the time. <laughs> and then I think about a different kind of community that was through our serving together. When, when I was just first in seminary, I was, I was appointed to kind of give direction to our junior high ministries. And then that next year, Lori and I were married and we together worked. And the richest of community was with those people that we were serving, those wild and crazy junior high kids. And it was great. It was great. And I think in our early years of raising a family, this small group of friends that we met with, followers of Christ from our church and every other Friday night, we met together. We were in the word together. We prayed for each other. We cared for each other. We uh, served went to the nursing homes with our kids and we did life together and it was a huge thing in our life back then. And I remember being off in a completely different place. We were on a six-month sabbatical in Switzerland and we found this little church called Scottskirk right down in Lausanne, right near Lake Geneva and every Sunday morning we would drive down with the kids down the valley to Lausanne and go to Scottskirk. It was a Scottish Presbyterian church a great man, Murray Stewart, was this Scottish preacher, a godly man. And he, he just personified warmth and love. And when you came to that place, you knew you were loved in that place. And there were people from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. Expatriates from British islands. There were the French were there, the Germans were there, lots of Americans, some Canadians, some folk from Africa, other parts of, of Europe and 
some Swiss who'd married these expats, and we all came together. We worshiped in this beautiful little chapel, singing our praises like we've just been doing here. And then at the end of the service, it was really cool. Murray would always get up after the service and invite everybody to, to join together for a time of fellowship in the church hall. So he'd walk out, go to that next building over, and they were serving the tea and the coffee and their goodies, and the kids were running around having a great time, and we were getting to know each other. Oftentimes, we'd sit down for a meal together. Richness of community. You know, the Bible says that's, we were created for that. In the very beginning, before sin ever entered the scene, God says, it's not good that man's alone. It's not just talking about being lonely. It's about that, that God's purposes aren't going to be fulfilled in this one man. He needed a woman, and we need each other. We're created in the image of God, the scriptures say. And part of that understanding of the image of God, Genesis 1.26, says we were created for relationships, relationship with God and relationship with each other. And when we don't have that, we are missing out in the richness of community. The very community that we're talking about this morning is rooted in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit eternally existing together in this loving, caring, delighting relationship, one for the other, serving each other for their glory. It's unbelievable. And we have an opportunity to mirror that in our community here in the church. And here's what George Gallup says, that Americans are amongst the loneliest people on the face of this planet. So you can be surrounded by a crowd. You could be text messaging all your friends this week. And at the same time, you could say, I feel all alone. Desperately lonely. Well, this morning, as we talk about the richness of community, we want to talk about it in a way so that for those of us who don't have that yet, we long for it. And for those of us who've kind of lost our way and thinking maybe that's something we don't need right now, we return to that. And as we do, that we support this fundamental value that we really think is going to drive forward the mission of Christ in this place. Changing lives to change the world. So let's talk about the richness of community. And let's begin with the foundation. And the foundation is of our community, of our relationships together, is Christ. It's our common faith in Christ in whom we have every spiritual blessing that we enjoy the richness of community. Bonhoeffer, in his classic book, Life Together, Bonhoeffer um, was a, a Lutheran pastor in Germany during the Nazi regime. He stood up against it. He was thrown in a concentration camp and he died there. And when he could have stayed in London and been a pastor there, when he could have stayed in America and been freed, he, he went back to his people and he stood up for truth and he was a pastor. And at one point, he lived with about 60 seminary students and it's out of that experience that he writes life together. In the book, he says this, Christianity means community, community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. So when we think about the richness of community, let us never think that that could ever happen apart from Christ. In and through him. That's what Peter's ta- uh, Paul's talking about in Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 21. When he says, you are members of God's family. 
We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And let's look at a picture of the richness of community back in that first church in Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago today. You'll find it on page 772, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Luke writes, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Turn over a page to chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. There was no needy person among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. So it says that they had everything in common as they came together. They were one in heart and mind, literally in heart and soul. And their unity should not be confused with uniformity. It's not like they all looked the same, talked the same, did the same. It wasn't a cult. And it isn't a cult that we're talking about. When unity gets mistaken for uniformity, that's weird. That's cultic. But the unity that we have here in the scriptures is seen in that beautiful metaphor of the body. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, hey, the church is like a body. There's one body. I got one body here. But this body has lots of different parts. Hands and fingers and elbows and knees and feet, eyes and nose and ears, all these different parts, but one And the diversity of the body is not just in the diverse giftings that we have and ministries that we have, but it's in the fact that we're made up of people from different nationalities and ethnic diversity. And and there's a a mix of rich and poor, of men and women and young and old. All of those people, part of the church, enjoying the unity and richness of community. So what were the things that they had in common? It says they had everything in common. Well, what were some of those common denominators, these, these, these building blocks, if you will, for biblical community? Well, we know, first of all, they had a love for God. How do we know they had a love for God? Well, it says they were devoted to the, to the apostles' teaching. Well, what's the apostles' teaching? It's none other than our New Testament, most of it anyways. And, and they committed themselves to that, not just to hearing it, but actually to doing it, living their life according to God's word. And we never should forget this, that our attitude toward the word of God is a huge indication of how our heart and our love is for God. She said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. You do what I ask you to do. So we know they had a common love for God. It's evidence in their commitment to the word of God. 
We also note that it was seen in their worship and praise of him. Filled with awe and reverence, they worship and praise him. Verses 43 and verse 47, chapter 2. It's seen in their prayer. Devoted themselves to prayer. Continually saying to each other and to God, God, we love you. We acknowledge that all that we have is from you. And apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we pour our hearts to you in praise and thanks and confession. And we ask for these requests. God, be merciful to us. Their love for God. Their love for God, though, was seen in their love for each other. Remember that, how the great commandment goes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's a great commandment. And the second is like unto the first. You love your neighbor as yourself. And the truth is, we cannot love God and hate our neighbor. It just doesn't work that way. And so their love for God is actually seen in their common love for each other. Well, what did that love look like? Well, it says that they, they broke bread together. They shared meals in their homes. The table was a place of celebration. It was a place of community. That was true for Jesus. You think about God's people in the Old Testament coming together for these feasts, these times of celebration, the community coming together, worshiping together, sharing together. And we live in a day where I think the table is kind of disappearing. It's kind of hard to get together, isn't it, family, for just a meal. And even as the the front porch, which was so much a part of the community in our history in America, even as that is... It's kind of disappeared. Okay, now we still have front porches. You, you drive around the neighborhood here, you see front porches. They're decorative. They're really not used that much. I, I think there's a cool thing that we've discovered here in Wisconsin. You discovered it long before we got here. It's the driveway. I didn't know you could use the driveway like, like we do here in Madison. It's really cool. Like the driveway all of a sudden becomes this like hangout spot. You got the fire pit there and the, the, the camp, camp chairs are out. The tunes are going. Maybe the ball game's on. The barbecue's grill. You know, and the neighbors are hanging out in the driveway. I've never seen that. That's cool. It's kind of recovery of the porch. That's good. But when you think about what's happening in the architecture of our home, the porch has been replaced by the family room, way in the back, all to ourselves. And the table, let me suggest, has been replaced by the breakfast bar. So you talk to builders today, there's a whole bunch of people, maybe some of us right here, go, I don't need a dining room. We don't ever use a dining room. We've lost the table. We don't even have a meal together with our family. And this was huge for them. Getting around the table and sharing meal, sharing life, sharing out of the goodness and the abundance that God has given them. We've got to recover the table. That's what Saturday nights are about. There's another 300 people eating dinner last night. It was great. I figure out how to get more of that. But man, there's, there's going to be table time this week on Thursday mornings where you share breakfast. You share around God's word. Women, you're doing that on Tuesdays. Mornings and evenings, high school students today, those of you visiting us from UW, next week we want to invite you to be part of a table celebration, a barbecue over at the Meester's home. That's really important that we recover the table and understanding how key that is just to fellowship and to be in family together. It was more than that, wasn't it? It says here that they met in their homes and they met in the temple every day, worshiping God and learning together. That's how they expressed their love for each other. And then there was this unbelievable demonstration of love where they actually sold their houses and their property so that they could give the proceeds to the apostles and these leaders then could give it to those who had need. So it was said at the end of the day, there wasn't anybody in the church that had an unmet need. Wow, unbelievable. 
And you think it'd be these one another's that we saw during our offering. These are all evidence of our love for each other when we bear with one another. You know what that means? It means we recognize we're quirky, that we got blind spots, that we're shortcomings, that we're not there yet. We're in the process of becoming more and more like Christ, but we're not yet perfectly like Christ. And so there's a gracious putting up with each other. There's a gracious extending of mercy and forgiveness as we forgive one another. We accept one another. We spur one another on to love and good deeds. We serve one another in love and teach one another with the word of Christ dwelling richly in our hearts. We admonish one another in Christ for Christ. And then we encourage one another. As the writer of Hebrews says, so that the deceitfulness of sin doesn't harden our hearts. They had a common love for each other and that's an essential building block for biblical community. We also had third, a common faith centered in the person and the work of Christ. That's what the Lord's Supper was all about, remembering his death on the cross for our sins. Central fact of the gospel of our faith. They had a common mission. They were witnesses to the resurrection and that was their mission to say that Jesus Christ is the promised Savior. He came. He was crucified on a cross. You may have done it out of ignorance but God raised him up in power and he is the hope for this world. He is the source of forgiveness. He is the source of peace with God and he is the source of lasting satisfaction, abundant life, joy, happiness and they went out with the mission and as they did with arms locked telling people about Christ, the good news, they experienced the richness of community as they went out with a joyful witness, sharing and living the good news of Jesus Christ. And what happened is the church grew and people were added. And you know what happens here? For those of you who have come to this place and you've just come to faith in Christ, you've been hearing the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and you believed it. And you've been marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And your life has been changed and we see that. And you go, man, I'm not really far at all. I got so much farther to go. And we say to you, it's like a fresh blood transfusion that just come into the body. And there's new life as you're here. And your contagious faith for Christ as you share him with the friends you know reminds us never to lose our first love. The body grows and we together experience his richness. And then finally, there was the richness of having a common leader. The common leader simply was Christ, the head of the church. And the result is this from the text. There was joy and gladness. True biblical community brings joy and gladness. Doesn't mean it's always easy. Doesn't mean it's always easy. But at the end of the day, there's a joy and there's a gladness of what God is doing in and through our gatherings. There was growth, not just numeric, but a, a depth in Christ-likeness. There was no unmet need. They enjoyed the favor of God and the people of Jerusalem as well. And they were experiencing the richness of community, of family. One day, somebody came to Jesus and said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here. They want to talk to you. So he used it as a teaching moment to his followers. He said, look, let me tell you who my mother and my brothers are. Anybody who does the will of my father is my mother, is my brother, is my sister. My followers are my family. I want you to hear a little bit about that whole understanding of the riches of community and this feel of family from uh, Aaron and Kim Harrison. Aaron and Kim, relatively new to our fellowship. And uh, come on up, you guys, and share a little bit about that.
Good morning. Uh, my wife Kim and I have been coming to Door Creek a little over a year now, and having come from a much smaller church, we were a bit concerned about being able to connect and get plugged into a church as large as Door Creek, and thankfully that wasn't the case. When we first started attending here, we were looking for places to serve, as well as friends to fellowship with who were in similar walks of life. We found all those things here at Door Creek, and through serving the junior high students at The Rock and plugging into the 20-somethings ministry, we've had a chance to meet and become friends with many new people, and that was something that Kim and I were really in need of. This past summer, we had a chance to, to live with some of these friends, Peter and Krista Wetzel, and during the construction of our new home, uh, we came to stay for just one weekend, and we ended up staying over six weeks. <laughs> and we had a blast living with them. It was a lot of fun, and over those six weeks, we grew very close, and so close that when the new home was done, we were actually sad to move in because we were sad to leave them. <laughs> it's been amazing to see how God has answered our prayers. Um, as I was unpacking just a couple of weeks ago, I came across a journal that I had started in September of last year, um, and I had only one entry in it, and that's the last entry I have done since then. Um, anyway, the entry I had written um, just days before we started attending Door Creek. Um, in it, I had written about the challenges we were facing at that time, as well as our prayer requests, in which there were many. The common theme of our requests was our need for fellowship, friendship, and a place to serve God in the best way that he saw fit. As I read it, tears came to my eyes as I realized in that just over one year, God has not only answered our prayers, but he did so in a manner far greater than we could have ever asked. So in closing, we thank God for um, allowing us to be a part of this community where he has blessed us with places to serve and where new friends have become our family. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. A little taste, a little taste. So from the building blocks, let's go to things that, to tear it down, the killers of community. What are the community killers? Well, first is pride, the superior attitude that says, I'm better than you. It shows up in that um, sharp tongue that would tear down through gossip or slander or attacking a sister or brother, a judgmental attitude. These things kill community, an unforgiving spirit, an unwillingness to open the door towards reconciliation. It kills community. Going on in, in sin, in continued patterns of disobedience, that kills community. Isolationism, this kind of good old American lone ranger, I can do it on my own, I don't need you, I don't want to bother you, for whatever reason, that kills community. Robs an opportunity for us to serve you and you to serve us. False teaching as it attacks the foundation of our unity, tearing away at who Christ is and what he's done or saying it wasn't quite enough. We need Jesus plus. Kills community. And then let me take a little time here on this last one, idealism. This is kind of this illusion that says this is what I think the church should be like. And all of a sudden our dream for what the church is like is more important to us than what the church really is like. What the scriptures tell us is that we live between two perfect communities. The first one in the garden, 
and the second one in heaven. We've been banned from going back into the garden and we're not yet into heaven. This is in heaven. These bodies aren't meant to last. And so we shouldn't be surprised that the scriptures call us to bear with one another, to forgive one another, to accept one another, to confess our sins to one another. Because the scriptures understand that we are sinners saved by grace who still sin. And when we have an illusion of what the church should be like that sets up expectations of what the church should be like, all of a sudden that illusion works against the very nature of what the church really is. It's a redeeming community that always has room for sinners and recognizes that God's grace is for all of us. And what happens when we live as if we are to be perfect and are perfect, then when we're not, we don't know what to do because we don't belong in this kind of community. We don't fit anymore. And so what we do is we move away and find another fellowship who hopefully don't know about that in our life. We lie, we cover it up. We kind of silently slip away so nobody knows what's happened. And so at the point when we need most the grace and mercy of God and his people, we can't find it here because the illusion has become more important than the reality. The reality of the richness of community is there's room for you and me when we fall flat on our face. There's room for you and me. And I hope that in our newly formed home groups, and I hope that in our men's and women's ministries and our student ministries that we never turn into the Pharisees who who don't get it that Jesus Christ came for sinners such as us you and for me and so let's remember that it's Christ who's going to build this this cornerstone is the builder it's going to be his love working through us a deep love a a love that's sympathetic, a a love that's gentle and and wrapped in humility, a love that's sincere and real and authentic, that this church will be grown. It's through Christ's grace and his mercy received and then extended. It's through his truth and it's the hope that we have in him that allows us to experience and further the experience of community where we grow together in Christ. I want you to hear one more story about the richness of community. And I've asked Jeannie Archer, a longtime member of this church, to come and share her story. Thanks, Jeannie. Good morning. Well, in the arena of any healthy church, I suppose spiritual growth is imminent. But for me personally, the prominence of unconditional love that I found here at Door Creek Church over 26 years of attendance has made all the difference in my walk with the Lord. Being a follower of Jesus enrolls every one of us in the school of Christ-likeness. So it's only natural that I feel accepted by you in the same manner that I am by him, just as I am. I told Mark and Jackie as um, they gave me time to prepare for this message that I feel like the theme song to Cheers um, Of course, we all want to go where everybody knows our name. I think those characters sought more the fellowship of rich community than they did the amber beverage in their glasses. 
Within this familiarity of community, I enjoy the dynamic of sharing joys and dividing our sorrows. I've known overwhelming joy at the births, graduations, and weddings of so many of your children, and you've shared in my joy as well. The thrill of your job promotions and medical victories, these, these are all made sweeter by the fact that we share the richness of community as we go through them. We've also shared enormous grief through people moving away from us, uh, losses and, and certainly deaths. Those have all been made more bearable for me because of your communal support and prayer and the encouragement and familiarity that I've gotten from you. Thank you. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not, not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. We all have the opportunity on Sunday morning to roll over and pull the covers up a little tighter and ignore the invitation to worship the one that's so worthy of our praise. How does it go? A little more sleep, a little more slumber. It's the devil's anthem. On any given Sunday, if any of you knew what you do for me just by your presence here. If I can make eye contact with just a few of you who are more precious to me, it fuels me for the entire week and, and urges me through a week where I'm not exposed to that love anywhere else. And I just thank you for that. You are my Jesus with skin on, and I'm completely, completely grateful to you for it. My small groups, where they know me best and yet love me for who I am, I cherish those women they know my quirks and the queerness of my personality, and yet each and every week they forgive me and, and move me through it and, and grow me, accepting me for who I am. And that brings me to the richest dimension of the community for me. I worship full-time. I love to worship full-time. I see God everywhere. I see him in everything. I see his hand in creation and all of my experiences and in every element of my life. But when I come into this place and I'm surrounded by the warmth of your bodies, the people that I love dearly and feel loved by in return, it ratchets up my experience, and it intensifies the, the communion that I feel with God as I'm, as I'm doing worship in this church. I, it's edified by the, the, the wonderful music we have the exposure to, by the atmosphere and by the worship leadership and the message, but you, it's you, the people that are sitting around me that really intensify my experience. And I thank you for that. Your unconditional love, acceptance, and support of me and my family foster an atmosphere of comfort, trust, and security that deepens my reverence for God and utterly enriches my communion with him. In this, he's actually given me a glimpse of what I believe eternity is going to be like when we together stand shoulder to shoulder with the heavenly angels and, and offer him the praise full-time, holy, holy, holy. I could never, as a young Christian, imagine those... those um, um, prophecies and revelation and, and you've helped me to, to realize that, that that's what God designed the church to really be and I thank you for that I'm most content when I'm given the opportunity to express my faith and exercise my God-endowed gifts and community encourages this and I'm so grateful to all of you for permitting me to exercise the level of community that I know in this place, my church home it's what I yearn for, it's what I need and it's what I believe our Savior intended in his establishment of the church. Now, be forewarned. I happen to have an enormous capacity to love. So when you walk through those doors, I'm probably going to jump on you and accept you, faults, foibles, and foolishness altogether. I'm like Elmira. I'm going to hug you and squeeze you and love you to pieces. But it's more how I'm wired. I, I grew up in over a dozen foster homes, and as a young girl, I know too well what it felt like to be the, the only kid standing in the, 
the school building on the first day and having squads of strangers staring at me and analyzing me and pointing. And I don't ever, ever and have anybody walk into the building and have that experience. I want to know your name. So when I, when I hug you and glam onto you, please forgive me if it's offensive, but it's authentic. I, I want to know you, but I, I don't want you to have the experience of feeling singled out and, and being a stranger. Dot on my watch. I'm delighted to be the church in the world. And I'm very gratified by your willingness to go forth from this place each week and do the same. But I want to thank you today for how well you're doing the church in this place. For my sake and for the value of all of us contributing to the richness of community. The richness of community at Door Creek Church, priceless. About four years ago, my friend and I were talking about the things that we were going through. Lori was going through chemo. It was a tough time. And he said, you know, Mark, I feel like I've lived a charmed life. I've never had anything hard. I said, hey, friend, don't beat yourself up. Just give it time. You'll, you'll go through something hard. <laughs> and when you go through something hard, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference to be in community. I mean, this year, you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe some of you are going to lose a job. Maybe some of you are going to go through some really hard things in a close relationship, maybe your own marriage. Maybe there's going to be financial problems. Maybe there's going to be health issues. Maybe there's going to be a crisis in your own faith. And what I can tell you is your involvement in an intimate biblical community will make all the difference And so our desire is that your experience with church is more than what we're doing right here. As important as this is, that you get involved in community. And that can happen through participation or through your service or through both. And as these different ministries screen, roll on the screen, I just would say, find a place. Find a place where you can serve. Find a place where you can grow. Be part of a home group and there's a table out in the back to help you get plugged into a home group and there's home groups that are looking for more members. And there's a table in the back that help you get plugged in. Together we serve there every week. Here's where you can get in a place of service. And I encourage you students to go on the retreats and be part of the small groups and you women to take advantage of the women's ministries and men's it kicks off this Thursday morning. Get involved in that. The young couples and the collegians, university students, get involved in 20-somethings. Get in community. Serve together. And as you do, may you experience the riches of community and give that experience to others. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in your grace, you didn't save us and put us on an island. You saved us and you put us in your family, a perfect family with a perfect Heavenly Father, and enough grace to deal with all the imperfections of our life. Lord, may the richness of community be more and more the experience of each one here. And through that, may we further your mission of changing lives to change the world with your love until you come back and take us home or set up your kingdom. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.